Welcome to Let Me Know How It Is, a pop culture podcast about animation, TV, movies, comics, and all things geek. Today, part two of our look back at Batman Beyond. I'm Zach Slater. I'm Frank Melman. And I'm Clifton. All right, so um, Batman Beyond is now an entire person who can rent a car old. Uh, (laughs) All right, so be sure to check out part one, which was released last week. If you didn't check it out already, where we go over the pilot and some of the development process, we left a lot of our favorite episodes to go over, which is what we'll do in this episode. So let's start start talking episodes. So uh, what were some of our favorites? Clifton, I'll set you up. You love Dead Man's Hand. Oh, yeah, it's true. <laughs> I have pages and pages of notes on Dead Man's Hand, so I, yeah. I can't get into all of it. But I took a lot of notes watching Dead Man's Hand again, which is quick summary. Dead Man's Hand is the one where Terry meets the Royal Flush Gang for the very first time, and he also falls for a new girl with a dark secret. I'm with you. It's a good one. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's a good one. So we get the Royal Flush Gang. Mm-hmm. who. You know, we're in the comics. It's seen been seen once in animation before in the late Super Friends. What was it? Galactic. What's the Guardians? Galactic Guardian season. Yeah, like the Dark Side season, mm-hmm. where they appear, and it's a similar. Like there's a similar theme in that one of where Ten is the reluctant one mm-hmm. in that Super Friends show, and so I think really they were kind of like drawing from that too a little bit, uh, kind of referencing that a little bit, but. This episode is so good. Like, I love this episode. And it's not just because it's super teen melodrama, <laughs> but I love that it's super teen melodrama. I was going to say, it is your wheelhouse. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it was just like a really cool idea for villains um, that had been underutilized and stuff in the past. And I couldn't, like, I couldn't believe they didn't retrofit them into Justice League yeah, or something else later because they set it up everything where you see like, Batman Bruce tells Terry about, oh, it's a family that just does this. And when some go to jail, the new ones come in and they've been doing it. I've been bad. I've been fighting these people forever. Right. Right. And then even King tells Jack in the Royal Flesh gang that he's like, yeah, we went up against Batman and he, he basically put the gang out of commission for a while. And now that's why I'm back in Gotham to get revenge, more or less. Right. Mm. And I was like, how do we not? Like, how do we not get a Justice League episode of that? They do. They do pop up. They do Do pop up, right. I was going to say they do pop up, but it's not, it's, it's a much, well, it's, it's one of those, it's a much more, it's a moving episode, right? I do remember that, but that's the one with the young girl, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I do remember that. She comes, she comes back in epilogue that we were talking Mm. about there, but they're in, they're introduced in wild cards, which is the Joker Vegas episode. Right. It's not a family, right? right? They're just, they're people part of, part of a, a, like a government, like a Cadmus thing. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, But so, and so I'm with you. I mean, like, I'm so fascinated by the Royal Flush gang about like, okay, so, so you introduce them and Justice League is this. So now how do you get to them? Like which one of them started having a family and kept the gimmick going? (laughs) Right. 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 And he says something about like, this is, this is the, this is the spade suit. Okay. So it, got, it gave me a sense that 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 one of my there favorite other, wrestlers of all time is Bret Hart, but it made right. me think about like I wonder if there's a Hart family. Probably. <laughs> right. Also, Diamonds clubs. Right. Right. Which I would kill to see that. I would kill yeah. to see a, a, a the, the Hart, Hart's a Hart Royal Flush Gang. Royal Flush yeah. Gang. That'd be nice. Yeah, the right? Royal Flush the Royal Flush Gang for me is like the way kind of like the wrecking crew is in Marvel. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. The idea of like, no one really wants to flesh them out completely. Right. <laughs> but they want to be used when you need kind of a throwaway bit or a throwaway gag for, you know, how you're going to set up your opening sequence. Mm-hmm. They're not, they're not used enough. I mean, just like there's just league issues with them, obviously. Like when right. they first appear with, uh, Amos fortune back in the silver age, it's a cool idea. And then, um, throughout the, the bronze age and then, and the modern age. And then, uh, like booster gold's audition is dealing with the, the Royal flesh game. Okay. Um, when he first joins, but it's one of those things where I, I love, I mean, I always like them. The motif is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's such a cool look, especially this like flying around on their cards. Mm-hmm. It just fits in this world. It just yep. fits in this Batman Beyond world yeah. where everyone's flying in flying cars or just yeah, the flying bit- around in a bat suit. Yeah, they've used that. They use that throughout the 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 comics appearances mm-hmm. too. But it's one of those things where I agree with you here. It works really well. I think the only one of the only like the only other place I could think of where they appear is Babel. Like they're the open. They're like the opening okay. bit in Babel yeah. too. Right? Babel's right. so good. Oh, I love Babel. Yeah. Who I mean, like, king, you remember? No, I'm talking. I'm talking. Babel. Babel's the one. The the just the direct uh, direct of. Oh oh, that uh, one. the one yeah, that's yeah, like Doom. Right. Justice League Doom. That's Justice it. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, the Tower yeah. of Babel story. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I thought I thought you meant the season two episode Babel. No no no. no. That's why I was. Yeah, I was, I was clarifying. I'm talking about the, where they're used yeah. animated wise. They're used in that again, but they're also the throwaway bit. They're the opening. Right. They're the opening act for before we get to the actual um, bigger threat. Yeah, and I think there's there's a lot of potential for them. I know in uh, in Villains United, way back when, Gail Gail Simone used them as like the idea that uh, they were kind of everywhere. Right. You know, they were a much there was like a bigger group of them. Like the idea of like no, there's like a whole syndicate. Yeah, there was like fifty two of them, and there were different. <laughs> right. Like you said, uh, Zach, there were different suits. Okay. Right. So the idea has been out there for a while, but no, I, I love the yeah. Royal Flesh Gang. I think those episodes. You know, kind of like, and again, we've, I think we, I don't remember where we talked about 10 in other, in another podcast episode. Yeah, but. it was in a, it was in like a Valentine's Day episode where mm-hmm. we got into a heated <laughs> conversation about <laughs> right. Dana versus 10. Thank I you. Right. That, I yeah. knew there was, yeah, I knew we had some kind of argument about. Yeah, you know, it was a little while back. But how, how well that works. <laughs> yeah. Another thing, just Royal Flesh Gang in general, like I really like that when Batman calls them the aristocrats of crime, I just mm. think it's like a cool, like little yep. moniker. That's just, nice. Like, brings a lot to the imagination. Uh, but yeah, like what this episode, Dead Man's Hand is the heart of this episode to me is Mel, uh, Melanie 10. Mm-hmm. And that you instantly kind of see her story the first time you see her outside of costume when you don't know who she is yet, Mm -hmm. because we see the Royal flesh gang do their thing. And then, you know, Terry tries to stop them. And then Terry is late for a date with Dana and rushes to the club, but way late. And, and Dana's, you know, like fed up with it at this point in time saying, you know, there's only so many times before I'll take a hint Mm -hmm. and you brush me off enough. And then in that fight, it cuts to a shot from outside the window looking into the club. And you see a girl sitting there outside of the, the nightclub who perks up and watches this fight happening inside. And she's just kind of sitting there with her legs up and her arms, you know, holding her knees, looking inside the club. And I just caught that shot this time of it instantly portraying like, here's a girl that wants to be in there wants to be living the life with the fun kids mm-hmm. wants to be doing the kid things. And you have Terry who also wants to be 
living the fun life with the fun kids, but can't. And they both can't because of her, because of her family, him, because of, of Batman. And it, it just shows it in one shot. And I thought it was so well done this time. And then they have their, uh, you know, their romance when Dana's kicked him to the curb. <laughs> and there's just so much that's good in this episode. I love this episode. And yeah. it is super teen melodrama, but that's what I love. Like, the, But it's good. I mean, that's, yeah, that's the appeal of doing this character, I think. Right. Is right. Is the thing that the thing that I remember them saying to for development is, is they were like Spider-Man. Mm. They, they could use spider-man as, as and, and not have him be quite so quippy and everything like that but you know they were like that stuff was at least as interesting as the spider-man stuff right. if not more yeah you know and that is the aspect in these episodes like what i like the episodes i liked a lot in batman beyond are the ones that expounded his his teen world mm-hmm. more so than his batman world even yeah. and this is one and Go on. There's just so many like little teen elements, like eighties kind of things. Like she wears his jacket yeah. in when they meet up in the rain and, uh, or in like one of the dates and she takes it with her. <laughs> and, like, and I was just like, that's such like a nice little, like, you know, teen drama moment. Um, yeah. Like he's, he's lending her his jacket and she's taking it wherever she's going. He'll get it back sometime. It's nice to know that that still happens in 2070. Right. Yeah. <laughs> But there's like the the scene when they meet up because they like he's got to be Batman and she's got to be 10 and they both are fighting. And then because of that, they're late to their date, not knowing who each other are. Mm-hmm. And then they show both show up late and and like, it's OK. It's not Dana yelling at him because she's late. Ten's late, too. So mm-hmm. now they're in the rain and there's no dialogue. And it's just like she runs up, hugs him and kisses him. Yeah. And. It's just so many nice little moments. And it's like a super 80s teen romance soundtrack playing <laughs> at that point in time, which there was an awesome punk song playing in the nightclub when Dean is breaking up with them. And I don't know what song it is. I don't know if it's a song or if they composed it, but I was this time listening to it. I was like, that is a really cool song. Mm. So if anyone can help me out to know what that song is or if it was composed. For yeah, the I got to I got to rewatch the episode. I might have it. If it's on the soundtrack, because I have the score and stuff like that. Yeah, it has lyrics, which is why I don't know if it was made just for the show, since it's not only score. Like, there's vocals on it. Okay. But it's a cool song. But yeah, just the the other little thing. Like, when I was referring to their rule, you know, their rule about not having a Joker Beyond or, or no Poison Ivy Beyond. Just talking about that rule and... And them sticking a little, a little fast to the rule. I think mm. this is the other example I was thinking of. Besides Derek Powers, besides Derek Powers being obviously like the guy, like the guy that he should keep going up against, mm-hmm. is ten. Yeah. yeah, and they like they they you know draw attention to it. Where at the end of the episode, after Terry has to turn her in which there's a really a fun moment in that fight where he's fighting her. He knows who she is at that point. She doesn't know who he is. He hesitates punching her and she does not hesitate punching him. <laughs> like she just clocks him when he won't hit her. And, and that actually might be before he knew. I can't remember. But at the end of the episode, it's him and Bruce, like Bruce figures out what's been going on this whole time. Why Terry's been distracted. Cause he, he, he sees when, you know, Terry's 
watching her get carted into a paddy wagon and she sees Terry seeing her get taken off. And he basically asked Bruce, like, is anything like this ever happened to you? And Bruce is like, well, <laughs> let me tell you about a woman named Selena Kyle. Right. And I was like, this could have been his Catwoman. Of course. Yes. Like, it should have been his Catwoman. And they never, I mean, she she does reappear in a couple episodes and has some good moments, but like, it's never that. Yeah. Yeah. It's never, it's never his Catwoman. And I think again, like they stuck so fast to their rule that they were like, we can't have, we can't have him have a Catwoman. So we can't do that with it. <laughs> so silly. Like they call it out in the episode. Right. So, so they, 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 they call attention to it. So it's, that says to me, like, you're fine with it. And it doesn't seem silly to me that he would have a version of that. It would be silly to me if she was also with a cat motif. <laughs> right that would right? be that would be too tight a circle yeah right. and that's what's puzzling to me as i'm like okay that's what you want to avoid but i think that moment at the end where he's like let me tell you about selena kyle right and it's a nice uh a uh, moment where where they can uh what am i trying to say they can sort of uh uh commiserate yeah, there we go. Thank you. <laughs> and, yep. it, and it doesn't sound like to me, that doesn't sound like Bruce being like, and now I'm going to tell you how to avoid the mistakes I made. Mm-hmm. It doesn't sound like that. It sounds like, yeah, this is a good time. Like, right. This yeah. is part of it. This is just part of the gig. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think there's a fondness that the way he says it. <laughs> it's, it's almost it's almost that that Zuko and Sokka moment of that's rough, buddy. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. That's a great line. A I mean, great they're, line. Not, they're not they're not they're not. You know, at that point, they're not really teacher and student at that point. They're just two guys talking. And that's what I love about that moment. Yeah. It's like, yeah, let me tell you about Selena Kyle. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, I know, I've, you know, Bruce is, you know, he's an old guy, but of course he, you know, he has all the memories of Catwoman. And then of yeah. course he realizes, yeah, this is a similar situation. Like you said, Clifton, it's just part of the gig. You're just going to have to <laughs> deal with the fact that attractive women are going to throw themselves at you sometimes. Right. Yeah. I hesitate bringing this up because I don't I don't have an artist name that I could credit or I may not even be able to find the image. But somebody did fan art of mm-hmm. Melanie in the Batman Beyond suit. Oh, right? uh, yeah. So it's just like so. So she's in the suit, but just mask off. But the bat was yellow. Hmm. Right. Right. And I and it just made me go like, God, I want to see that story. Right. <laughs> I want to see that story so bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Frank, what was one of your favorites? Uh, what was mine? I like, let me think. I'm trying to think of top man. Cause I didn't, I didn't write down episodes. I had, like I said, I watched the ones that I watched, but I didn't get a chance to watch everything that I like. Mm-hmm. I love the, the, the call, right? The calls two part with the justice league. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. one of my favorite. I like that one because I love, you know, it, I, I really do like future stories of what, you know, and then you get to extrapolate backwards. And at that point we didn't really have, Justice League or did we? No. Okay, so we didn't have Justice League. So basically they could, it was kind of carte blanche what they wanted to do. And the team is fun. Like you have what was it, Micron, which is kind of like the Atom slash yep. uh kind of like kind of like Ant Ant Man, <laughs> Giant Man. Yeah, Adam character. Smasher. It's a combination of a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And then there's Aqua Aqua Girl. Aqua Girl, yes. Yeah. Yeah, obviously. Uh, they established we have an Aquaman at that point from from Superman the animated series, uh, Big Barda or Barda, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, right? Couldn't use Wonder Woman, right? Kind of a right. Buddhist, kind of a Buddhist Green Lantern, yeah. 
And then Warhawk, which I love. At the t- I mean, they don't really come out and say it because I don't think they even knew at the time who Warhawk was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, we get that we get that told later on in, in a Justice League Unlimited story. Yeah, I think that's a retrofitted one. Yeah, yeah. but it works. It's yeah, such a great. I mean, it works, it works yeah. really, really well. And those things are. I think those are when they're done well. They're always a lot of fun. I think those are always fun. Yeah. But the idea of you know uh, of Terry being noticed and kind of recruited, you know, kind right. of headhuntered. <laughs> for yeah. it so the the just the setup for this episode mm-hmm. is that we find out there is a justice league in this universe for one mm-hmm. which i don't think they'd ever mentioned before in no. any of the episodes and then uh, we are introduced to micron micron is called to help a uh, runaway train and then it turns out to be a trap right and superman shows up to terry basically recruiting him to be like i need you to come help me find out who sabotaged the Justice League. Mm-hmm. So we need you on the inside to find out. That's the premise of this one. Right. There could be a traitor in the Justice League Unlimited. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to spoil it for you. Uh, it's, on, it's on Max as of right now. So mm-hmm. you should go watch it because it, really, it doesn't really require you to know much more than what we've told you about the show to enjoy it, I don't think. It's, right. not, it's not real continuity heavy. Yeah, um, like uh, like we said, their their continuity wasn't fully established at that point in time because yeah. this came mm-hmm. out a year before the Justice League animated show ever started. Mm-hmm. Right. I, in my opinion, though, I think this is a show. Th- these episodes are the ones where they start building on their continuity. Mm-hmm. This is really the one that I think that you know there there, there was a loose. Uh, um, reference to the original Batman the animated series but it didn't reference it a whole lot directly it just so we just sort of like connected it mm-hmm. you know because it was really because it was made by the same guys right right and they had same general design sets and everything but but story-wise they didn't really like talk to each other much this one there's like a direct reference to a Superman episode right right mm-hmm. which oh, yeah. makes it like just automatically makes everything big right because of like mm-hmm. well if Batman gets started Superman then that then we're talking everything Right. right. Yeah. Like world's finest all happened. All of it happened. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> right. Yeah. The main man exists. Everything. All that stuff happens. Yep. So <laughs> anything that we saw in Superman, the animated series, it's fair game at that point. Right. Yeah. Yep. So no, I, I love that one. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. It's a good one. I, I think, um, you know, it's a season three episode. I think worth pointing out that like, I think it took that long to convince Bruce Tim to do it. Right. Yeah, I, I I kind of feel like it's one of those again since it's not so kind. It could have been sooner. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like it's one of those episodes. Like the, the it's a two parter. So I feel like it's one of those things where that two parter could have gone. You know, if they really were we had gotten past their. You know, um, I think I said it last episode. The whole thing with Smallville of no tights, no flights, or you know, we really want to shy away from all the Batman stuff, even though mm-hmm. we're doing a Batman in the future show. Um, you could have dropped that two-parter or like season two. You might have even done it in season one if you wanted to. Right. You know, because again, it's it's one of those things where I, I also like it because it, it's definitely a, um, an episode or a set of episodes that really shows how Terry isn't Bruce, but he is Batman. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. You know, and then, you know, that's, that's one of those things where I, I think when they play against that, I think it's fun to see because again, with the whole, uh, Terry and Bruce kind of uh, Martin Stein and Ronnie Raymond, you know, <laughs> relationship of, well, I wouldn't do it that way. And I'm like, well, right. you're not Batman now. <laughs> that yeah, kind yeah. of thing. I always think it's fun for that show to play with. And I think those episodes do it really well. 
Yeah. Like in this one, I mean, Terry, like he's, he's runs to join this team mm-hmm. and tries to fit in until it's like, you know, he's, he's a Batman. So it doesn't quite work out the way he wants it to. Cause he's right. still a Batman. He's still mm-hmm. a Batman there. Right. Yeah. And a Batman is not always a team player, even though no. Batman was in the justice league for right. all that time. Right. But yeah. They say part-timer though. They point yeah, out they that said he was part, a part-timer. They said only part-timer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's just around a lot for a part-timer. <laughs> yes, which, yes. which he did say a couple of times in the Justice League series, which is the weird, right, that we got this version of the Justice League and then mm. and then a series would come two years later, even though Tim was like very adamant, like, I'm not going to do a Justice League ever. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And then... and I and, guess some of the other guys want him over. Yeah, well, I mean... Like I said, there was the, you know, there were those, those rumblings in Wizard Magazine, getting back to that, about the possibility of, you know, we've set up a bunch of stuff in Superman, so Justice League is, is inevitable. Right. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I don't remember if Bruce Tim was in on those inevitable conversations. I just think that people in and around those shows were like, <laughs> we should do it. Right. And then they had mock-ups. Of, like they had, um, like one of the original um, group settings had Aquaman, but the Aquaman from Superman the Animated Series, not the, the hook-handed right um long-haired one yeah right you know not not the momoa um (laughs) right but the but more of the more the silver agey super friends that uh, that aquaman that one was definitely he was definitely in that first group which is who we get a picture of in in this when you see uh aqua girls file it's like Mm -hmm. it's her father's the like super friends aquaman orange orange shirt blonde short blonde hair Mm -hmm. it's just i mean Looking back at his interview in the Modern Masters, like he was very adamant. I'm never going right. to do Justice League at that time. Right. What year was that? That was that. I think that was like 2000. Okay. Right. So it was it it was when Justice League first started. Mm-hmm. Right. But I think the idea there that he was saying is he was it, it, so much so that like people were trying to get in like like nods to the Justice League in earlier episodes of Batman Beyond, like like things in storyboarding. Right. We're like. Mm-hmm. Like as you glossed over like Bruce's entire life, there would be like rumblings of the Justice League here and there, and he would actually like have them take that stuff out. Mm-hmm. Like that's how much he was against it. And then and then right. this episode comes along, and the idea was is that he w- he was very unsure about how to stage the action with so many characters. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really what what scared him off. And I think so in a way, this episode, I think, kind of made them realize like, oh, okay. It's manageable. It's 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 just like any other time when we had like Batman and Batgirl and Robin like all in a scene, mm-hmm. right? So I was just looking up just some of the the timeline here. So the call was November eleventh of two thousand, mm-hmm. and Justice League premiered about a year later, I think. Right. Okay. So that's the timeline we're looking at between these two. This is a good one, though. And yeah. Frank, I remember this was when I was not really watching. I remember you gave me a VHS tape of this. You're like, watch this. <laughs> a VHS? Yes. It was on, <laughs> yeah. I gave him scrolls. Yep. I gave him stone tablets of the episode's <laughs> synopsis uh, with illustrations. To get, no, but yeah, it was that long ago that I gave you a VHS copy of like, you got to see this. This is pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. And even I was, I don't think I was watching it that regularly either. I think I just saw like, uh, you know, Kids WB or whatever it was, you know, kind of like, hey, you know, it's, it's a future Justice League. Right. You know, come check it out. And I did. And uh, like I said, it's one of my favorites. Really enjoyed it. Yeah. The the voice cameos are interesting to go along with the character cameos. Because mm-hmm. we have uh, old Superman voiced by Christopher McDonald. Mm-hmm. Shooter McGavin. 
<laughs> and Green Lantern's actually Lauren Tom doing double duty. Mm-hmm. Or not double duty in this episode, because I don't think Dana's in it, but double duty for the series. Right. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Aqua Girl is Jodie Benson. If you all remember, she's Little Mermaid. Ah, yeah. From The Little oh, Mermaid. Yeah, right. Uh-huh. And yeah. then uh, Micron. Do you all remember who Micron was voiced by? I do not. It's Wayne Brady, right? It is Wayne Brady. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> Current host of Let's Make yeah. a Deal. Yeah, it's like two lines. <laughs> yes. Yeah, <laughs> and it was enough where I was like, is that Wayne Brady? Yeah. Right. <laughs> and it was. Huh. Yeah. Maybe it was maybe maybe he's heavily strolling by or it was somebody a favor or something. <laughs> well, I guess it would have been the like whose line is it anyway days. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a great one. I liked I like that they they also um I like that the the two parts feel connected, but they also feel very different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I love I love the visual of Superman flying straight up. Mm-hmm. No, just you know standing, I mean? coming like, like, like standing coming horizontally flight. but vertically, right? Yeah, like standing yeah. <laughs> up but coming towards you. <laughs> it's an awesome visual. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, it does make him seem much more alien. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I always wanted to see a story. I mean, and maybe the comics, you know, set in the Beyond universe did something with it. But I always wanted to wondered like why Superman changed his costume. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And. Went to, I guess, what is they're interpreting is either futuristic or Kryptonian or both. Right, mm-hmm. exactly. And and there is a slight resemblance to the Brave New World Superman costume. Yeah, yeah. Which, which our Superman never met him. Mm-hmm. Right? So right. I don't know if that's like, if that's just like, like they just kind of think the design is kind of neat and then sort of, and, and they kind of did two similar ones. Or if it was like, if it's meant to be some kind of symbolic, uh, uh, something that they're trying to say about it, right? Or, you know what I mean? I Like, I've never known. Mm-hmm. But I feel like there's a story there. Which one oh, was yeah. the Brave New World? Was that Justice Lords? Yeah, those no, are Bra- Justice Lords. Okay. Uh, Bra- Bra- no, Justice Brave League New World series. was Superman animated. Oh, Superman Sorry, Justice, animated series. A Better okay. World was Justice Lords in Justice League. Got it. Mm-hmm. Which one they designed that Superman, he was also in black and white. So, <laughs> right. Yeah. So that's somebody over there thinking. really likes Superman in black and white. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. There's tons of fun moments like just throughout that episode. And in the first part one, tons and tons of destruction, tons of destruction <laughs> in that episode. <laughs> yeah. Like terrifying amount where again, like the buildings falling over and people falling out of the windows. <laughs> it's such a great bit. I mean, it is, but. In the context of when it came out, yeah, like that's no show, no cartoon is ever showing anything like that come very soon after this air. Like within right. the next year of this airing, they're going to be a lot more sensitive about that type of destruction. Right, exactly. It's horrifying, but it's cool yeah. in the sense that like it's right. It gave it gave the other character something to do. Superman stopping the building from coming over. <laughs> right. Right miscalculates people are coming out through the windows yeah, people and so just start gives, pouring out the windows yeah it gives, it gives warhawk and lantern stuff to do and it was yeah. it was a, a nice them feeling out the action sequences a bit like mm-hmm. feeling out of, out of stage them. so harrowing uh, but yeah i'm with you no way that gets done a year later <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no way <laughs> yeah that's a good one that's a really good one good one frank thank you uh, I'm going to go with, um, this is one of my favorites. This is early season two. I think it may be the second episode, second or third episode. Earth Mover. 
Mm-hmm. Yes. Right? Yep, yep. The idea here is that um, there's tremors happening, like earthquake tremors happening like all over uh, uh, in Gotham City, and they seem to center around one of Terry and Dana's friends, Jackie, and her father. Right. Her mm-hmm. adopted father, Bill, mm-hmm. or, as, as we come to find out. Right. Um, and this one just does a lot of like really, really cool. Like it's spooky and it's kind of a monster story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's just really well done. I can't really put my finger on why I like this one so much, but I like that this one like has so many uh, um, twists and turns right. and so many different feels with it. Cause it's, it's such a like father daughter story, but it's also like a monster movie, but it's also like a, a teen. Mm hmm show you know what i mean right yeah this is one of my favorites too and like thinking about it if you think of different comic things that might be influencing them where you've gotten you know we've gotten silver age stuff and we've gotten modern age stuff from comics like just the feel of comics this this one to me feels like a 70s horror comic from Mm -hmm. like bronze age horror like your swamp thing your man thing not just because they're monsters but just like werewolf by night like that type of kind of melodrama combined with with family combined with a monster allegory combined with all like, you know, different things. It it feels like a seventies horror comic of a Batman beyond episode. Got a lot of atmosphere. Yeah. 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 Like you said, it's creepy. Cause I remember in the, it's, it starts with just Dana and Terry hanging out with, with their friend Jackie at her house. And she sees, she thinks she sees somebody out the window and thinks she's paranoid until Terry's like, no, there's like, there's something out there. Yeah. And just jumps out the side of the house, (laughs) jumps (laughs) out the window and scales down the side of the house. Because he's like, no, like he goes into protector mode for, you know, his friends, which I thought was like a nice bit. Like he doesn't hesitate. He just jumps right out the window. (laughs) Yeah. No chill. No chill at all. (laughs) No, none. (laughs) And and that's just the start of it. Because then he's, you see something that I don't know, like looks like somebody gets hit by a car and then they, and then they're not like, there's lots of spookiness right off the, right from the beginning on that one. And then again, though, this is one where like we hearken back to their, the Genesis of the show of them that we talked about last time of them wanting to bring in kids, right? Like they want to bring in kid audience. That's the whole point of <laughs> that. That was the impetus of, of that and beyond is to get younger viewers than they were getting with their other show. And then they make these like horrifying episodes <laughs> that show yeah. like a corpse at one point in this episode mm. is on screen a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, it looks great. Like it's, yeah. it's a great episode, but I was like, man, this is, this is what you're bringing in. This is what you're trying to bring kids in with. Huh? because <laughs> i think you went somewhere i think you went astray somewhere if that was your goal but they're making great episodes so i'm yeah. not complaining what i like about this one too is that um clifton you were saying how like you like the ones that feel very very uh about terry and sort of like the teen world of things right i like the terry ones the teen the teenaging ones more than than the batman ones myself right. yeah this one to me feels like 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 a perfect blend of the two, mm-hmm. right? We're like, here's his teen stuff, and then there's also, but it's also like a really good Batman episode too. I think, right? Where he's yeah. he's he's doing his version of detectiving and trying to figure out what it is uh, mm. and what's going on. And just from from like a script perspective, like I like sort of the reveal of of uh, the dad, 
and how it's treated and how he's like, oh, he's a nice guy. Oh, like, like that's in there just to sort of like make you feel a certain way so that when it flips, right. you're feeling this, but then it flips again. They turn expectations a lot. They yeah. set up your expectations and then flip them over and over in this episode. Yeah, yeah it's great. Yeah, it's a good one. And just uh, I'll call out some of the voices on this one because I, I did look this one up recently after watching it again because it's one I wanted to, to be sure to see again myself. I just really like it. Uh, it's got their friend Jackie, who appears in this one. I don't think she appears in other ones, but I'm not sure. Is voiced by Lindsay Sloan, who was most known for uh, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, where she was the, Sabrina's best friend, Valerie, the, the sitcom, the 90s sitcom. Mm, okay. And she was also in Bring It On. She played Big Red in Bring It On, <laughs> one of the cheerleaders, uh, which I'm a fan of that movie as well. <laughs> and then it's got two two TV dads voicing mm. in this one. Cause you talked about Alex P uh, you talked about Alex P Keaton's dad. Right. <laughs> uh, in the pilot as Terry's father. This one as bill. Uh, Jackie's adoptive father is Dan Loria from wonder years. Mm. And then also as another, another character in this one is Stephen Collins, who is the father on uh, seventh heaven. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, was he? Yeah, around the same time. It was was around the same time as this was produced, I imagine, was also. So we got two TV dads plus plus Sabrina's best friend. Those are the the Easter egg voice talent of this episode. Yeah. I wish Jackie showed up again. I don't think she does. I think this is her first appearance and her only one. Yeah, some of the friends show up. Chelsea shows up a few times. I was trying to think of like other people in in the Dana and Terry world. is it Blade? Is there a Blade, girl named Blade? Yeah. yeah, she shows up multiple times. <laughs> yep. Yeah, Max, but I don't think Jackie does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, Max. Yeah. Yeah. Would have been nice. That's that's the only thing. I like just one of my general things uh, about the show that uh, I wish we saw more like consistent Terry world. Yeah. We get some. I just wish there was more. There's you can never have too many teen aspects of a show for me. So right. <laughs> yeah, I agree. If you're going to do it, do it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think that that is one of the things, if we're using Spider-Man as, as an analog here, um, I mean, what's, what's a consistent thing there, right? Like sporting mm. cast. Right. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and it's here, but yeah, I think, I think, um, and then you do get people that just kind of like pop in for an episode or two and they're not really fleshed out a ton or, or mm. you know, I, I like that the sense is just that like, like Dana is social and has a lot of friends. Right. That's the feel I get here. Yeah. It, it feels like Jackie's like a new friend. Right. Because they don't know like her family dynamic, like really at all. Yeah. Like when you she know? calls her dad, Bill, and they're like, you call him Bill. Like they don't know her. They don't know her that well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But no, I really like this one. It's dark. It's, it's eerie. It's got a lot of heart, lots of twists and turns. It's a good one. You got another one you like? Yeah. Uh, this one. It's a good solid episode, but I'll get into what really stands out about it for me. But the episode is Hidden Agenda. Is this Terminal? Yes, it is Terminal. Okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I love Terminal. Yeah. It's it's an episode where like Max, I think is it Max's first episode? Or had she been around before? I think it may be Max's first episode. It's a very early episode of the supporting character Max, because it's in season two. And 
we're introduced to a new Joker gang led by a very creepy leader. And as the, the mystery unfolds, we find out what his connection is as he's attacking uh, Hamilton High and, and a new friend of Terry's. He mm. seems to be targeting Max. And that's what this episode is about. And like it's, I said, it's a solid episode. But the character terminal is really the standout for me more so than, than a lot of other aspects. I just think he's a great villain for the show. Because mm. what you have in Terminal is like we actually get to know a member of the Jokers, which we haven't yet in this show. Like the Jokers are always just kind of around yeah. as a gang. They're kind of, you know, they're, they're just like the catch all hooligans. If you need conflict, there they are. Yeah. And now we actually get to meet one of them. And this one is, turns out to be basically like a mirror villain of Terry. Mm. To me, that's mm. how I see him, even though like he's, he's fixated on Max, this, this Joker terminal. But what we find out about him, we see him like, you know, causing mischief. We see him like attacking random pedestrians, like on their way to work and terrorizing people in general. And then we're introduced to Terry and, and Max in school and find out like she's a great student because she's getting top test scores while Terry's getting incompletes on his SATs <laughs> or whatever, because he's, he's a terrible student. He's very smart, but not a good student. And then we're introduced to another character, Carter. Looks like an all-American letterman shooting for valedictorian of the school, wearing the letterman jacket, like high achieving, like nice, good kid. And then we find out that he has a dark side and mm. that he is terminal. Ah. So this kid who seems like the all-American student is putting on the Joker makeup at night and going out and terrorizing people. So when I talk about him being like a mirror, good mirror villain for Terry, you have Terry who's, you know, like a troubled kid on the surface. Right. Who's not a good student, despite being smart, who goes out at night and does good for the world. And then you have, on appearance, this good kid who's very smart and a good student who's putting on this dark alter ego and going out and doing very bad for the world at night. So they're basically right. mirror images of each other to me. And uh, the character terminal is voiced uh, very well <laughs> by Michael Rosenbaum. Mm. And he's just, he's creepy and sadistic and it's all about jealousy and insecurity uh, when it comes down to him, because he's basically he's threatened by Max doing better in school than him. And that's what he has. And you see his home life a little bit and his parents, uh, his mom's situation of like, you know, pressuring him to overachieve. And. And the real thing about this villain to me is that he's just almost too real, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? It's almost too real. And again, this episode. I'm uh, trying to remember what what release this was. I think it's I think it's in the fall of 2000 that this episode aired or 99. I can't remember mm. for sure. Uh, I'll find that out. But more or less, it's a school shooter episode. Mm -hmm. More or less, this is the premise of a school shooter episode. Uh, in a time in the world when school shootings were not all that common yet. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's, I mean, it's, it was terrifying at the time and it's terrifying in retrospect that it's all kind of become normal, but yeah, it's, it's got that vibe and 
again, I guess, uh, like we talked before about things they foresaw in the future. Yeah. yeah. And sadly, I think they might've been right about that one too. Right. Yeah. But he is a great villain. He is a terrifying villain. You remember this one, Frank? Uh, it sounds familiar. I don't know if it, it's one of those things where I didn't, re- I would not have remembered that it was Rosenbaum. That's for sure. Okay. In but, a very like dry, deadpan, yeah. creepy mm. voice. Not his flash voice. No, right. definitely not. <laughs> definitely not. No, it's a really good one. I, I like, um, it felt a lot too. Like they were motivated on some level to sort of like give the Joker some teeth. Cause mm-hmm. they'd been kind of like wharf affected. Mm-hmm. For a little while, right where they were like they started off as sort of uh, um, kind of like cool and like fearsome in the in the pilot, right, right. Where, where Dana again is like like get out of here, like you right. know, like th- yeah, and then and then yeah, and then over over a season of of you know you need you need some goons, so throw them in, and then Batman right. makes short work of them. I think like this is the first time the Joker's felt kind of scary and formidable again. Mm-hmm. in a while and and the terminal design is awesome i mean i think yeah. i think it does a lot of lifting for that too yeah uh, on top of his his um you know ill <laughs> characterization quite frankly right his demeanor yeah but uh it's an awesome design with the straight jacket and and he's kind of like a zombie did he did he have like the stitched lips makeup yeah it's kind of like yeah, it's kind of like the the skullish makeup yeah. with like the lines on the mouth and yeah it's a great design. Yeah, it's really good. But yeah, that's the standout for me is is basically his character in that. It is a it is a good solid episode, but yeah, that's that's one of their best villains to me because again, like the teenage aspect, like it's very real. It's a very real villain. And the show itself, that episode itself does kind of like play into the mirror aspect of of Terminal versus Batman, of of Carter versus Terry in that they're like one of the things in the episode is, is Max trying to figure out who it is and getting confused. Cause like, like she starts to think terminal could be Terry because of, of things she's detecting about him. And mm-hmm. like, it really does play up that, that mirror, that mirror aspect of their characters. Yeah. I love that one. Um, Frank, you got some more. Yeah. I've got another one. Um, this was another one that's from um, third season is the fifth episode. Uh, I had not seen it when it first aired, and I actually had this episode spoiled for me, and I still really do love it. <laughs> um, and it's out of the past. Okay. Okay. And and the idea is it starts off with uh, Terry and Bruce go out for um, for Bruce's birthday, and they attend a performance of The Legend of Batman. All right. Yes. <laughs> which is basically a musical based on on Batman's life. Yes. <laughs> Do you remember the? You're gonna sing the 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 number from no, the I was musical? gonna ask, I was gonna ask Zach to do it because I don't oh. I don't want I don't want to get it right. Go ahead, Zach. <laughs> Superstitious cowardly lot. <laughs> right, <laughs> that's it. Yes, right, right. Yeah, but yeah, it basically you know it has it has the reappearance of of of, of Talia Al Ghul, and it's a it's a you know it's a temptation episode of you know, as as <laughs> as Grant Morrison said on. Uh, Kevin Smith's podcast, the the de- uh, the daughter of the devil, uh, is basically <laughs> tempting Bruce with uh, this this offer of of basically, listen, I, I can put you in, I, I can give you the Lazarus pit, and you can have it all back. Yeah, you don't have to just, I don't, you don't have to sit here, you know, kind of moldering away, um, you know, basically trying to keep this kid in line and you know keep Batman alive, and it's great. And again, I it, it's got a it's got a great it's got a great setup, it's got a great open, um. 
and it, it, it when it you know when it it floors you it floors you and I'll leave it at that. Yeah, the, you had told me about this one, and yeah, and I was like, oh, that sounds awesome. Like, of course, like I didn't spoil. Like I knew, like I knew, you know, the the whole thing. Someone basically told me the whole premise, and even upon watching it, I'm like, this is great. Had I not known <laughs> all of it, that would have been great too. But as an episode, is terrific. I love this one. Yeah, it's a good one. It's a bit of you a know. weird one mm-hmm. in the sense that, um, I mean, this is this is a Bruce episode for sure. Yeah, yeah, but. I think also, I think also like a Bruce episode more so than usual. Like Terry's almost a supporting character in this one, which is, mm-hmm. I mean, th- there have been Bruce heavy episodes, but I don't think to this degree. Right. But I do think that, I mean, but that's kind of like the hook of that episode is, is Terry's a little bit like, well, geez, like, you know, if, if, if you use the Lazarus pit and suddenly like, like basically the fountain of youth and you could be young again, like, like, mm-hmm. what am I doing here? <laughs> right right like you're right. gonna want to take the suit back like mm-hmm. you know yep absolutely so I, I i urge you to go watch this one don't let it get spoiled for you we're not going to spoil it here yeah <laughs> but yeah it's great i love this one and it's a perfect like just like duh villain of course of course <laughs> right. of course break your rule for this one sure right, right? of course yeah it's 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 Deanie too right Deanie wrote this one yeah mm-hmm. with yeah, hillary bader ah, okay very good well Equally good writer, but yeah, the, the the two of them together would be, you know, a, f- a force. But yeah, this is a great one. I, I highly recommend it. Get re- see it quick if you know, especially if you know nothing about it. So go see right. it right now, and then come back and listen. listen. Yeah, it's got it's got some turns. It's got some twists. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> some big twists. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna cheat and lump two together that I think are are. It's not a two parter, but they're connected very mm-hmm. much. Uh, and it's uh, Shriek. Okay. And okay. then I'm going to do also connected to it, Babel, which is his return episode. Okay. okay. And so uh, Shrink was the sound-based bad guy. Right. Mm-hmm. That, uh, that they came up with, I believe, uh, in reading about the development. He was, Shriek was one of the characters that had a fi- like a, a visual design first. And then we're like, oh, that looks cool. Like, what sort of his shtick? Mm-hmm. And so he's he's like a sound engineer uh, that's able that has a, a suit that's able to manipulate sound outside of him so he can sort of like isolate you know make you hear things that aren't there he could drop sound and which the reason i think that that first episode is is wonderful is that sequence at the end that action sequence at the end where he drops all the sound out and batman is basically fighting in silence and can't and and they're in he's in like like a like an automotive plant or something like that (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. it's like an assembly line like a robot assembly line like like an industrial assembly line and there's all kinds of like huge machines that can do all kinds of damage to you if you don't hear that you're close to one right right and streaks noise canceled basically noise canceled everything for Mm -hmm. 100 yards in all direction yeah so there's no sound nobody can hear anything except for shriek shriek can like tune in and hear Terry's footsteps, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like that's how he follows, but he's like locked in on one sound but blocked out all the rest of the sound. Yeah. This th- I mean that sequence I mean their sequences were always great and fun and I always loved the action about it, but that but that was the first one that like really like stood out. It's like, "Whoa, that was cool." Like almost like a Samurai Jack episode. Right. Mm-hmm. Right? Even though like that that would be um even though that would be a thing that you know, it's coming in a few years, <laughs> but it's, <laughs> right. it's, it seems almost like a Gendy hook to me yeah. in a weird way. Yeah. And it, cause in that episode where you're, 
when he when Shriek shuts off the sound and you're watching Terry like stumble around and accidentally you know almost get hit by all these things he doesn't know are there because he can't hear them like if he has his back to it and it shows up he doesn't know it's there and then they do start to bring in like score music if you remember in that scene so mm-hmm. they're still leaving off like all sound effects you're not hearing any world noises but they bring in some music as it goes. So you're just getting basically kind of like a silent film action scene, but with orchestra playing. And I brought up some of the special DVD special features, you know, last episode that they have on season one's DVD set. And one of the special features they have on that set is where they do that with other scenes. They want to show off like how much work the music does, how much work the composers were doing, even though a lot of it, you know, kind of gets, buried under other noise like the different sci-fi noises the different action noises dialogue whatever so they they showed a couple scenes where they uh from various episodes where they took out all all sound except for the score just to show you like how much emotional work the music was doing and i thought this was interesting in this episode where they they do that but just really in the episode not as like a bonus feature like that's what this episode really is is it it turns to be showing you eventually uh, one how hard a world without sound would be, mm-hmm. and then they really do like uh, as they slowly bring up uh, orchestra and and score into it. They it shows you how much work that score does because they start like really ramping up the action to like musical crescendos and stuff. I noticed on my rewatch, which I thought was really cool overall yeah. about that episode. Like an episode about sound, it shows you how like absence of sound is important, how musical sound is important. Like it, mm. it, it kind of gets a little meta on a lot of levels. It does. Yeah. And it's got a cool subplot with, with, you know, with Bruce in, in, in the, uh, in the insane asylum. Right. Right. Because right. he's making him think that he's hearing stuff. Yeah. Bruce is hearing voices. You know? And it's just sort of like, it, it just shriek just had like so many ways. It, 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 it was a hook for a bad guy. It never really occurred to me would be cool. Right. I'm like, man, there is like so many different ways to, to come at you. Yeah. You know, and in, in just shriek in general, in the design, like, I mean, he's obviously a science guy. He's obviously super smart engineer that he can build this suit. Like he knows acu- everything about acoustics. He knows everything about, uh, about audio physics, but then his design kind of looked like a musician a little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like he doesn't look like a scientist. He's built for one. Like he's jacked. Yeah, but he's got like a goatee. He's got like like kind of a buzz cut. Like he looks more like a musician or a bouncer than, yeah. than like a tech engineer. It's just it's pretty cool. It's some cool choices. Yeah, it definitely looked like he wired some a couple of band shows. Yeah, and ran the board. Yeah, for- <laughs> yeah he's he's like a roadie. He looks like yeah, a roadie. roadie, right? Yeah, <laughs> like a roadie for a metal band. No, I, I he's just like I say, he's just such a really cool bad guy, and 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 just sort of he he's one of the real. Uh, new bad guys that I think felt like really classic, mm-hmm. right? You know, and then and and certainly his ending in in Shriek uh, uh just sort of uh, culminates in that, and then which makes his return in Babel, um, mm-hmm. like you understand, like why, like why he's he's pissed, he's pissed at Terry. Oh, yeah. right. Um, Babel, I don't remember as well. Oh, oh, you don't remember that one as well? Not not as well as his first appearance. It's so that one opens up with again like another really cool like sound attack. Basically, like he he makes animals in the zoo like kind of go nuts. 
Mm. Right by by having having them hear like react to something that only they can hear. Okay, and so there's a cool bit in that one where Batman's fighting a zoo, <laughs> <laughs> essentially, which sounds bizarre, but it's really really neat. And there's all kinds of like cool little bits in that. And then like the suit gets damaged in there, so you see how like Terry and Bruce like repair the suit. Okay, uh, and and stuff like that. And then there's a a moment where you're getting a sense that Batman is is a hero, and and the public is re- is regarding him as one. And then Shriek basically calls out Terry, not by, not by Terry. He doesn't know that Terry's Batman, but he's calling out Batman. I'm just right. saying Terry for that to distinguish for Bruce. Yeah. Um, calls him out and basically, and, and what he does is he, he's, he's manipulated the sound in the city so that nobody can understand each other when they're speaking. Mm, okay. Right. And then he's and like, the name. this is going to continue until Batman turns himself into me. Right. And then the, right. and then the story is like you see like how very quickly like Batman, this hero in the city, like people turn on him. Right. Mm-hmm. And people that know that Terry is Batman are like he's going to turn himself in. Right. And it's a cool moment of, like Bruce defending Terry. Yeah. You know, but it's a night. It's just a really, really cool. Like, what's Terry going to do? And it's it's a moment for me where he becomes like like a true, true hero. Mm-hmm. He does like a very like her- heroic thing, you know, and it's just it's a it's an awesome return episode it's as good as they come i think right now back in the in the first shriek episode it does have the moment you mentioned where he where he think bruce thinks he's going crazy it does have the moment where bruce you know says he knew he was never going crazy and terry asks why and bruce says because the voices were calling me bruce and that's not <laughs> what i call myself so right. that's one of the famous lines i think that, that people latched on to it's a bit far. <laughs> yeah. No, I agree. I agree. But it is one that people latched onto a lot. Yeah. Uh, uh, people do like that line. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you know, Shriek, like I love, like I love Shriek too. I love the design. I love, like I, I was talking about his, his, you know, human design, but I love his suit design too. Yeah. I love like he fits in that world so well. Uh, he's like, he's such a product of the show, I think, and fits in the context of the show as, as one of their standout, like high tech futuristic villains. Yeah. And the show did villains like, well, a, a number of times, I think, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think this may have been their rule thing. I don't want to spoil like too many more episodes for people, but by bringing us up, but it is one of those things where it's like our, our own Tommy Smithereens you know, offline off of the show would tell us this any time Batman Beyond came up. It was like, man, you don't want to go up against Terry. Cause like a lot of those villains don't come back. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah. True. And yeah. And, and it is true. He's right. And, but I do wonder in thinking about that is, is it the fact that they're just new villains that's making us go like they're gone? Cause I right. had this moment, right. Where I'm thinking about it's a TV show, right? So nobody outright dies in front of you. Right. Yeah, it's always like true. it's always falling off a cliff. Something falls on them, et cetera. Right. It's always kind of nebulous. And it makes mm-hmm. me go about like all the times the Joker in past episodes were like laughing fish. He falls into the water and there's a shark there. Joker's dead, right? <laughs> no, he's not. Right. He comes back. Right? right. And then it's like world's finest. Joker's dead. Right. After the Lex Wing thing. No, he's not. He's, he's no, right. Not. right? right. <laughs> Mad love. He gets kicked into off the train into the into the smokestack. Right. He's dead. Smokestack, right. Yeah. They say like we found the body. No, he's fine. He comes back. Like <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean. Sure. And so I think 
there's something there where like the, the familiarity of the Joker, they're like, you know, he's going to come back. They're always going to use him again. Right? right. And so I wonder if it's just that like, we feel like they're gone because there's not that like built in in place where like, you're not going to kill the Joker. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Could be. It's not a bad explanation. Sure. So I, uh, I, I lost track of whose turn is it? Who's it? Clifton, is it your turn? Uh, Yeah. But we might want to start getting into epilogue for Frank. Hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Unless you all have some others to bring up, because we can save that one uh, suitably for the end. Okay. Epilogue? Yeah. Frank, you want to do epilogue, yeah. or is there another one you want to get into? No, I'm, I'm good with doing epilogue. Let's do epilogue. Okay. Did you have any more, Zach? I got the, the thing. The one thing that I want to throw out is splicers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And this was this was one that I changed my mind on because I did not like this episode initially. It seemed kind of silly, mm-hmm. and then and then I I came around to it when I realized like oh how cool, like like this is this is a, a world building culture thing. Like this is their tattoos, right. this is their piercings. Yeah. They're right. doing this. Yeah, they're splicing their DNA with animal DNA to to you know give them cat eyes and, and leopard <laughs> leopard spots. Yeah, and, and then and then tongue. of course. And then you just comic book it up and, and, you know, make them have a power similar to whatever animal that they're, that they're using the visual with. And, Mm -hmm. and I thought that 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 was uh, a cool, like world building episode. And I like that again, that like, it felt like a, like a young plot. Yeah. Yeah. That's one where we were thinking last episode, we were talking about like the technology of the world just broadly. And some of the things they they were predicting. And this one, obviously, we haven't gotten there yet. Um, but when I watched the episode, I was like, no, like, I could see that being a thing. If it were possible, people would do it. <laughs> and we haven't gotten there yet. But uh, I, mean, I feel like we're always not far off <laughs> from like some sort of some sort of genetic engineering fad. It'll happen eventually. Mm-hmm. Right. They're just they They might be a little early, but it'll happen. It'll happen eventually. It feels it feels real to me. It feels inevitable to me as, as uh, you know, just people wanting to, to express themselves in different ways. And it'll, it's something that uh, I think someday, someday will happen. Yeah, no, it's a cool one. It's uh, I, I, I dig that one. So, all right. So uh, as promised, so we will get into uh, epilogue, um, which is not a Batman beyond episode. It's a justice league unlimited episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. But it's a very Batman Beyond centric one, so we'll get into that one. Do you, uh, Frank? Do you want to hit the 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 Kronos one first? Oh, uh, um, which one? The one that's uh, weird Western tales. That one, and then, yeah, because uh, that's the. Th- I mean, the, the epilogue takes up all the oxygen in the room, understandably right. so. Which is why we'll get. But um, you know, I think a lot of people forget that Terry shows up in another episode before. That. True, you're right. He does. And that was kind of like a, like a holy cow moment. I remember because it was, it was mm-hmm. right. Because at that point, this is this is end of season three of Justice League. So it'd been like we hadn't seen Terry in forever, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> you know, right. so for him to come back was like, oh wow, this is awesome. You know, right? Yeah, uh, Weird Western Tales is is the introduction of the villain Kronos, who's a time traveling villain. Generally, is an Adam uh, Ray Palmer villain. Uh, traditionally, but he fought the Justice League in, in like the Secret Society of Supervillains and and other stuff. Um, but basically, it's it's you know it, you get a story of weird Western tales, which is John Stewart, Green Lantern, Wonder Woman, Batman are in the Old West. They meet up with uh, 
like Batlash and what Jonah Hex. Yeah, remember that? Remember that correctly? El Diablo um, or something, right? Isn't there another one? Yeah, there's like some old some old DC Western characters are in there. It's a lot of fun. Um, but the other one is what the Once and Future thing. Is that the second part? Yeah, part two. Yep. Right. So Once and Future thing uh, is is basically those same three characters are now in the in the future, and they meet up with. Uh, well, it's got a re- it's got some reintroduction of some uh, of the villains from well the Joker's that the group that was with uh, in Return of the Joker the movie right right yeah so they've got that and then you've got um, Old Man Static which is a nice bit yeah you see you see Static as an adult again voiced by um, is it Phil Lamar yeah I believe it's Phil Lamar okay. in that one too because I think it, when we saw him in the panel that time at, at the Comic Con we he he had the, he did the the progression of young. Virgil to old Virgil and then did John Stewart and how the, the voices were different. If I remember correctly, I could be remembering that. Oh right. yeah, that's right. He did do that. Yeah. But yeah, he, so he did, he did the voice for that. Um, but you do have a great moment of, 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 you know, um, current Batman, uh, Kevin Conroy meeting old man, Batman, Kevin Conroy, and then Will Friedel, right. Doing Terry. Yeah. <laughs> right. So you have B- Batman, Bruce, Batman or Batman, 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 depending on how you look at where they have, you know, they have a moment of like, you know, um, and there's a play. There's also a bit in there where they, where I think he says something along the lines of about getting back. Like they know they get back. Mm-hmm. Is that in there? Do I remember that right? There, there was a bit where they, they use it as a, as a plot as like, well, well, well we win. Right. Because obviously old man Bruce right. is here and he's like, mm-hmm. right. Except I don't have any memory of this. Right. Right. <laughs> Right, yeah. and that's you know that's that's time travel trope stuff. Depending on what you know how your your rules of time travel work and whatever you're where you're presenting, it also reminded me of there's a line in um, Jonah Hex at one point after Crisis becomes uh, um, it's almost like Hex Beyond for mm-hmm. lack of a better term, because Jonah Hex becomes like a, a gunslinger, but it's he's a gunslinger out of time in in the the you know he's almost like Buck Rogers, like you know hundreds of years in the future, and it's kind of a nuclear wasteland and but there's a moment towards the end of his series where he runs into, and this is a huge, it's a spoiler for, I mean, it's not continuity because again, you know, Jonah X appears whenever he wants to and stuff or whenever someone wants to dust him off and use him. But he runs into a, a, a taxidermied version of himself. Mm-hmm. And he, he says, well, I guess I make it back. <laughs> right. This is in the books. This and isn't again, in the episode. And these are the comics. Yeah, this is yeah. the comics, <laughs> not the episode. But it reminded me of that of like, oh well, you know, we must we must be all right or whatever because of this. But again, you know, that's that's one possible ending for a character in a myriad of possible yeah. endings. Um, but yeah, those episodes are great, although they're technically not Batman Beyond episodes. Right, they're not. It's just cool because you see the future Justice League again, right? Like Warhawks right. in there, right? And, right, and so for me, it's neat to see that Static made it to the Justice League. Yeah. Oh you yeah. Know? For sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because we could do. I mean, we could do a whole episode on just static uh, DC character appearances. Yeah, those episodes are always great. Those were a lot of fun. Which, which maybe a lot of listeners didn't know, didn't know that, but you know, Static Shock, the uh, animated series from like two thousand three on Kids WB, mm-hmm. had a handful of episodes where like Superman guest starred and Green Lantern guest starred and like John Stewart from from Justice League and Batman mm-hmm. is in uh, like one or two. Did Terry guest star in one of them also? I want to say yes, but I can't remember because I haven't okay. watched this episode in a while. But I think there's also one with like the entire Justice League and uh, Static. But I could right. be wrong about that too. Yeah, it could be one starts out with one hero and then by the end it's the Justice League. But don't quote me because it's been a while. Right. Yeah, but so yeah, no. those are some 
those are some fun episodes too. Yeah. So epilogue. And then much to say. Go on. So epilogue. Epilogue is again is uh is the season finale for season two of Justice League Unlimited. Uh, it starts out with an older Terry, probably somewhere in his thirties, that nebulous thirties, um, that a lot of superheroes like Batman and Superman lived in for decades. Um, anyway, shows up at Amanda Waller's demanding answers, and he wants to know, um, you know, obviously if it's if if Terry say Terry's in his thirties, it's a good fifteen years after Batman Beyond, right? Yeah, fifteen to twenty, yeah. maybe. Yeah. No, he'll be fifteen or so. Anyway. He's found out that he's a somehow he's a match for Bruce Wayne, who's suffering from like kidney failure, and he wants to know how this is possible. Right. And then he goes to confront Amanda Waller, who Amanda Waller is, you know, has got, you know, as they say about Nick Fury, uh, Amanda Waller's secrets have secrets. You know, she's the the one who holds all these the keys to a lot of these these secrets. So she basically starts laying out all these things about. It is a great episode because it's. Um, it, it, it's a great Batman episode because you really get some really nice, great um, Bruce Wayne Batman stuff. You have Terry stuff, and it's all sort of like weaving together things that maybe were there from the beginning. Maybe they weren't. Um, mm. I don't know because it's one of those things where I've never really got a definitive answer as if they knew Are from you the beginning. You, think the, you thought they knew when they created it? Well, I go. Here's the thing: when we talked about the pilot, that I didn't want to say right off the bat, but one thing I did look for this time around that I never really looked for before mm-hmm. was just genetic markers. Right. <laughs> right. And the simplest thing is they have the same eye color. Right. <laughs> like, like if you look at like the color palette that's used for both of them, at least at least if you're going with um with uh, uh, New Adventures of Batman and Robin that from like the Red Sky stuff. Yeah. That design for Bruce absolutely has the same color. Yes, yeah, because that as, design for Bruce Terry. is blue eyes. Yes. Whereas the Justice League, I think sometimes they, they, he's black dots. Right. Yeah. But it's more, it's like a blue, sort of a slate gray, and they both have that sort of bluish slate grayish look. Mm. But it, it's just one of those, again, we don't know, like, they don't, you know, I don't know if they knew at the time. And like, are we going to spoil this? Should we spoil it? I think we should. I think it's hard to talk about it without. And this is this is your warning to turn away if you yeah. don't. Right. Watch. If you haven't watched this episode, if you if you're in the midst of a, a Batman Beyond a thon, come back to this because we're going to talk about epilogue. And uh, three, two, one. Yep. So basically, right. in the episode, you find out that that you know he Terry checks his DNA. He finds out that he's Bruce. Somehow he's Bruce's genetic son, and he thinks that you know Bruce Wayne is possibly or probably manipulated things so that he would be his successor. Mm-hmm. And you have this whole bit where he's his whole life starts to unravel because he doesn't know what to do. He doesn't know if he wants to continue being Batman. He doesn't want to know if he wants to stay with Dana. You know, does he should he get should he quit being in the Justice League? All this stuff starts to come apart on him, right? And then that's when when uh, Amanda Waller starts again, like starts flipping over cards. You know, saying this is what happened, and you know she's there's a great line about Batman's DNA being all over town, <laughs> um, which I always always makes me laugh, but. It, you know, has the great bit with the, again bringing up the Royal Flesh Gang, but yeah, basically the idea that that Terry's parents needed to be some kind of genetic match for Batman's parents—is that right? Do you remember that right? Well, they were they had the same circumstances as Batman's parents. Yeah, they were, okay, they were personality-wise. Gotcha. Like Thomas and Martha. Per- okay, I, that's how I remember it. Mm-hmm. Okay, but anyway, they basically were were. They they basically make it so that Bruce is his father via insemination. 
Is, yes. that, a, is, that, is that the right way to put it? Yes. She, yeah. They overwrote Terry's father's reproductive material with Bruce Wayne's. Okay. So any reproductive genes would be mm-hmm. Bruce's and not Terry's father's. Right. Right. Is and, what happened. Right. And after, after, and I, and I won't spoil the part with the Royal Flesh game, but Waller realizes that Bruce is, is, you know, is his, is his drive and his compassion and his, you know, his sanctity of life is, is, is what, you know, the world needs and the world needs a Batman and she's going to create one. Right. right. Because Batman, so, because Bruce is getting too old. Right. Cause Bruce is going to get old and die. Cause Bruce it's just, is going to get old he, and die eventually. And so she's right. going to, she's going to engineer Batman somehow. Mm-hmm. Right. So they found, like I said, found Terry's parents. Right. They He's, found yeah. Terry's parents. Warren McGinnis, Terry's dad, mm-hmm. goes into basically like a checkup or something like that. And, and Waller Thinks with her getting connection. getting a flu shot. He's getting a flu shot. And really that flu shot is, is overriding his, his reproductive DNA with Bruce Wayne's. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, so he's conceived by mm-hmm. Warren and Mary McGinnis, but he's the genetic material of Mary McGinnis and Bruce Wayne. Right. right. He's right. he's 100% biologically Bruce Wayne's son. Right. Biologically. Yeah. Right. And then what Waller says is that's only one part of it, right? Because the, the Batman's genetics is is one half of it, but the tragic circumstance, you know, gives him the drive. Mm-hmm. And so and so the second part of that was she was going to orchestrate uh the murder of the McGinnis family right in front of Terry as a child. Right. Yeah. Right. To to set up right. a similar circumstance to, to to give Terry a drive to become Batman. And mm-hmm. uh it's a it's a cool little um um Easter egg thing that they make it the Phantasm, the the right the, right. the hitman that's supposed to do it, to do right. the job. She gets cold feet about it, doesn't want to do it, and chickens out, and so the job doesn't happen, and Warren and Mary McGinnis go on and live their lives, and then Things happen anyway. Warren McGinnis is killed anyway. Right. And and life intervenes and Terry McGinnis is still somehow becoming Batman. Right. Yeah. This is the one we disagree on because I hate this episode. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. There's no. aspects of the episode I like, but uh-huh. the thrust of the uh, episode I hate. It does yeah. nothing for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. <laughs> well, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I I I love this one because again, it's one of those things of it's it is uh as Zach and I talk about things, the circle is a little too tight. Right. But at the same time, I do like the fact that they try yeah. <laughs> to make it all fit. Um I don't know if it necessarily needed to fit. You know, I I, I question the cho- you know, the, again, like, I don't know if it's there, there's no there's no way to tell. Again, right. I don't, well, I still don't know if it's def- definitive or not whether or not they meant to do we'll, it. We'll get into that. Hang, hang on. We'll, we'll, okay. I'll I'll poll everybody about that. I'll just say Okay. I love this episode. Okay. I absolutely love this episode. As you should. And <laughs> and I I'll disagree with both of you here where I think I don't think the circle's too tight on this one at all. No, okay. I would wow. if it wasn't the orchestration of somebody who is who is basically the the greatest puppet master in all of the dc universe mm-hmm. right and i i right. I like that 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 everything is going all according to plan until one instance where it doesn't right and i like that somehow fate intervenes anyway and mm-hmm. and and clifton i know and we've talked about this a million times you know off offline so so there's there's a short end in this conversation but 
but like um to to paraphrase what we what what we're talking about is i i like that it doesn't come down on a side of is it is it is it fate or is it uh or is Design. it um um free will okay right, right? i like that it leaves it open mm-hmm. although in the context of this universe is that Amanda Waller's plans always work. Mm. And mm. that's still the case here. Her theory is if I inject him with Batman DNA and he has tragedy equals Batman and it's <laughs> quantified and mm-hmm. she's right in the end, she's right. Yeah. And that's what I don't like. Cause to me, it subtracts not just from Terry, but also from Bruce. Cause it quantifies mm. what makes a Batman. Right. And it's that midi chlorians. That formula is all you need. Yes. Okay. This DNA plus tragedy in any context doesn't even have to be the one she thought. As long as it happens somewhere, the equation works out. And right. that's what I don't like about it. Gotcha. Uh, right. And so we agree to disagree on that. I don't think they predicted it. Yeah. I, I, I like the, 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 is it nature? Is it nurture? It's both kind of kind of situation but i agree with you here i don't think that this is the plan at the get-go from batman beyond i don't think Mm -hmm. it was Mm -hmm. right and and like like i I, i've combed enough interviews from these guys and dvd special features and everything and this and the shocking thing to me is when you get to justice league it's you realize i think how much of it was just sort of like happy accidents and like oh like we can connect this dot with that dot right right because for three series, Batman, Superman, Batman Beyond, they didn't they didn't operate under under um, a strict 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 like continuity. We're setting this up, and this is gonna cut. This is gonna be called back in season two. Not a whole lot of that, right? No, right? you're right. Because again, like I said, that was one of the things I mentioned about this was it's one of the ones that really does feel like oh, there should be a continuity to this, right? Right. Like, like, like I said, like it took three seasons of Bat of Batman Beyond to basically like concretely. Mm-hmm. show us something that we saw in another show right as a callback it's the first time mm-hmm. we got a callback to another to another thing that happened in another series right right and just to hear the way that like Dwayne McDuffie who was a producer on Justice League like talk about like oh like that that could that can connect to like the Dr. Milo stuff and everything when they're like right. putting the Cadmus arc together so I think they saw an instance where it's like there's nothing that that was done to contradict this <laughs> so we can use it so we can do it it's fair game mm-hmm. hmm. yeah that's my opinion i don't know i mean <laughs> no i don't i don't i don't think you're wrong I, I would not argue that you're wrong in that situation i think it's it's a fair i think it's a fair thing of like you said i believe they they saw they saw the the the, the various pieces and they're like oh yeah we can sew this all up mm. and again i i like i don't mind the fact that they did it i just think it's sometimes it's like eh. you know the idea that the only hit person that they could get was Mm-hmm. Waller, I think, would have known the the story behind who she was hiring, right? You know, and even with even with her feelings or an axe to grind, I don't think that 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 uh, <laughs> the phantasm was going to be the one to to do that, knowing what she and they freely admit too that the phantasm is there as an Easter egg, and and it, and and there's no like real plot reason why it had to be her. No, it's just sort of like oh, that would be cool. No, I mean knowing what knowing what the audience knows about that character and knowing what the character knows about Bruce, I don't think that that was even you know how that even was a thing that even got past. <laughs> it's a fi- you know it's a fine idea, but yeah. at the same time there were there's other choices. 
Now, what I will say is I don't really like the way that fans speak about this episode. Because mm. what it does is, is I feel like it's talked about in a very lazy way where it's like, oh, he's his father. I'm like, no. Mm. Warren McGinnis <laughs> still, was still out there and raised him. Right. When we meet Terry, he's living with him. Right. Right. Like oh, yeah. that, that doesn't discount like, like the effect that Warren McGinnis had. I'm like, Warren McGinnis is his dad. Sure. Of course. <laughs> you know, I think, I think about Yondu in, 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 right. Mm-hmm. In guardians too. Like, you know, he wasn't, mm-hmm. you know, he was your father, but he wasn't your daddy. Like, <laughs> right. 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 Exactly. <laughs> right. Until later one sort of. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> But again, it's not, it's never, you don't have, again, there's nothing that I know of from the episodes that, of the series that makes you think, well, Bruce knew, mm-hmm. right? Bruce you Wayne know. or Bruce Tim? Bruce. Sorry. <laughs> yes. Both. Yes. Both. Both. <laughs> Neither one of them knew that that was the case. No Bruce, no Bruce at all knew. Right. I, I, it, I mean, it is kind of funny in, in, it's been a while since I've seen the episode. I can't remember my, my sense of it. Uh, I don't think that Bruce Wayne throughout the series of Batman Beyond knows either. No, I don't think he does. You could convince me maybe because he's a detective and he knows everything, especially in that unit. Sure. But at the same time, I don't know why he would like why he would have that hunch. Right. I don't either. Right. Yeah. But then at the same time, I also don't know like how in your face your own genetic material is in 50 years in the future, right? I don't know, right? Like, that, mm-hmm. that's one thing you could convince me either way. I don't really have a dog in that race, I think. You know? Mm-hmm. What do you think, Clifton? I mean, he seems to know before this episode, before the events in Epilogue, he seems to know. Uh, right. Ter- Terry accuses him of it, and he's like, how would I even have done that? But he's not saying, like, he's not doubting it's a thing. Right. <laughs> he's not saying that's impossible. He's just saying, I didn't do it. Right. I'm not mm-hmm. the one who right. did it. That's, but he's yes, not denying that, that it's a thing, that it's a thing that happened. Yes. No, you're right about that. that, that certainly, certainly that Bruce knows. Right. 65 years in the future, Bruce Wayne knows. Right. Before yeah. Terry knew. Yeah. The key, the key is, like, when did he know? Did he know? Right. Somewhere in the 50 years in the future, like during the Batman Beyond series, or did he find out sometime in between right. that those time periods in, in, of, the, of the two shows? Yeah. Confusing yeah, to yeah. talk about. Uh, right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's had a little tidbit about old, old Bruce Wayne, the design. Because mm-hmm. in the developmental special features, they talked about like one of their initial designs of Bruce Wayne was like super grizzled. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And super haggard and had like a scar and like a dead eye, mm-hmm. you know, like a clouded over eye. And the, they referred to it as their Boris Karloff design. <laughs> and they said that the, the Jamie Kilner, the vice president of Warner Brothers uh, development, who had come up with the Batman Beyond show in the first place or, you know, brought them all into the room to bring it up together. They said he loved that design, that he re- yeah. loved that like super grizzled, like he was really into that design. Hmm. And I think that's this design. I think the one they talked about then was the one that they brought back for for this for this old, old Bruce Wayne, because mm. it, it doesn't have like the it doesn't quite have the dead eye, but it does have the cut and the scar right. of the eye. Mm. 
So I don't know what happened in his older years between in those 15 years that he's, he got right. chopped up some more, but he falls on something. Yeah. <laughs> but I thought that was like a fun little Easter egg. If, yeah. if you'd been following development that they had talked about that before that, that other, the Boris Karloff design. And I think this mm. is it. I think they dusted it off and brought it back for this. Well, the fact that we get, when we finally do get the reason why he has a limp, there's a nice bit too. Yeah. But that's not, that's not, we talked about that. In another episode, right? Dealing with exactly, the, and we should point that out too that that we didn't talk about Return of the Joker, but we did a full episode, right? Reviewing uh, Batman Beyond Return of the Joker, the straight the video. So, um, any last thoughts about Batman Beyond before we close out? Anything at all? Still a lot of fun. Oh yeah, yeah. Still holds up. Still holds up. I enjoyed yeah. watching the episodes that I went back and watched. I was getting into them. I think it's time for it to come back in some way. Yeah. yeah. Batman Beyond Beyond. Clifton, you know I've been wanting to see him and Young Justice. Yes. <laughs> you know, I, I want yeah. Terry and Young Justice so bad uh, right. for an episode, for something. Yeah. I think, I think that that would be very, very, very cool. But it does shock me how little of it has been used since i mean like just just how long we had to wait for a comic series like just just for dc to add it into main continuity and i'm air quoting canon you can't even see me i'm air quoting canon because <laughs> i don't even know if it is canon in dc universe right yeah i don't know either i mean it took it took a shockingly long time at this point i believe it is at this point i believe it's that it's that nebulous time of like the time of the like the great disaster or the atomic nights right um the idea of like yeah in the in in the future not the not the legion of superheroes future but the future uh there'll be a batman beyond there'll be a terry mcginnis right. of some sort but not a you know not a firm you know this is the end date for bruce wayne and therefore terry nope nothing like that yeah yeah so i want to see it come back for sure i'm surprised mm-hmm. it hasn't been rebooted i mean i know that there's talk of um of yeah, every once in a while live action movie yep gets talked about which i think would be awesome it'd be very very cool i think it would look great i don't want michael keaton to play him stop it because <laughs> <laughs> because i because I, I i i don't want granted i haven't i still haven't seen flash yet but i i, I don't want what that conversation opens up we like whoa this suit's connected to batman 89 batman beyond batman 89 nope stop stop it stop i have no, <laughs> <laughs> I have no patience for it <laughs> you know However, I will mm. say I have a, a, a weird person I would like to see attached to a live action Batman Beyond. Okay. And that's uh, Michael Kaplan. Do you know Michael Kaplan? No. I know the name. He's a costume designer. Okay. <laughs> and I don't know why, but these, these two things kind of exist together for me. He did Star Trek Into Darkness. Okay. Right? And Star Trek Into Darkness did a whole lot of like, like you got to see the future earth. I'm not a huge, huge Trekkie, but I do, but you know, uh, uh, I like those movies, but I like the look of those movies with like, with what he did with like futuristic style and everything. And, and, and like it, it looked contemporary, but it also looked obviously not of today. Um, a lot of leather, a lot of textured fabrics and everything. I just like, it's just, I see that movie and I always think Batman beyond for some reason. Okay. Okay. Did they have, did they have lapels? Because they, they can't have lapels in Batman Beyond. That's right. Nobody can wear lapels. I, I, I think Bruce Tim and them are wrong. 
about that. <laughs> I, I know that that's what they said. They're like, you, you, like that's the, that's the future cut is that there's no lapels on anything. Um, yeah. Although it was, I think one of them did point out that, that it was really possibly just because they had been drawing double breasted suits for, <laughs> like, for years by that point on Batman, the animated series that they were like, I don't want to draw any more lapels. Right. Yeah. And that that's possibly, uh, <laughs> possibly what was the driving factor in that design decision. But and then they just said, okay, in the future, people won't have lapels. Yeah. But really, they were just tired of drawing lapels. Right. <laughs> possibly. Possibly. No, it's a great series. I, I enjoyed I enjoyed going back over it. So um, we got hit Justice League at some point now, guys. We did we did the other mm-hmm. three. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I'm sure we'll get around to it. So. Yep. Yep. All right. Okay. Um, all right. If you guys want to suggest a topic, let us know in the comments. Uh, on whatever Twitter X is being called right now, uh, <laughs> handle LMKHII, or you can email us at info at letmenowhowitis.com. You can find links and examples to everything we talked about in this episode posted on letmenowhowitis.com, uh, where you can also check out all of our past episodes. Just please, however you find us, don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave us a review, and we will see you guys next time. Have a good one.